0: really good to see everyone this morning we'll be singing uh, number 276 before the announcements this morning if you would like to turn your book it's also on the screen jesus is all the world to me
1: jesus is all the world to me my life my joy my all he is my strength from day to day Without him I would fall. When I am sad, to him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, he makes me glad. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me. My friend in trials sore, I go to him for blessings and he gives him more and o'er. He sends the sunshine and the rain, he, he sends the harvest golden grain, sunshine and rain, harvest of grain. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me, and true to him I'll be. Oh, how could I this friend deny when he's so true to me? Following him I know I'm right. He watches o'er me day and night. Following him by day and night, he's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me. I want a better friend. I trust him now. I'll trust him when... Life's fleeting day shall end. Beautiful life with such a friend. Beautiful life that has no end. Eternal life, eternal joy. He's my friend.
2: Morning. It's amazing how we take simple things like standing up for granted until we have back problems. Um, I'm going to start off announcements this morning by uh, saying a personal thanks uh, for all the the cards and, and well wishes uh, that I've received over the past uh, week, week and a half, and uh, this morning and. Uh, When I was here Wednesday night, um, and I know there are a lot of prayers too. And uh, although I still have a ways to go, I do feel uh, comfortably better, and I know that is a result of uh, the prayers and the love shown by uh, all of you. And again, I appreciate it. And uh, I've got to give a little credit to uh, my personal nurse who takes care of me and. Reintroduce me to the recliner at home pretty much won't let me get out of it until my back is better. But uh, thank you to all. Um, I want to uh, first go over the uh, uh, program this morning. Uh, you'll see it says um, next pickup from Southern Christians Children Home. Uh, it says it'll be Monday, December 27th. That is actually Wednesday. Uh, I doubt very seriously they're going to be coming by on Christmas. Uh, and then also, if you look, uh, December 31st, New Year's Eve uh, game night. Um, I have a card here that I'd like to read. To my church family, it is such a blessing to be a part of such a loving and caring family. I'm thankful for your prayers, calls, cards, and food during the past week and a half. It helped me more than I can tell you. In Christian love, Jaretta Rose. Um, does anybody have any, uh, any other announcements, any updates? I know we have uh, a lot of people listed in the, in the bulletin. Anybody have any, any updates, any additions, or any other announcements? Oh, is that ready? And is it out front? Okay, um, January's men's schedule um, is ready, and it either is or will be out front at the conclusion of our service. Right? Anything else? Well, before we before we go to prayer, uh, we know this uh, uh, this is Christmas Eve. Tomorrow's Christmas, and um, as Christians, we celebrate the birth, life, death, and resurrection of our Savior. we It's a part of our lives every day. And we, uh, we don't want for much because we're pretty much given all that we need. And that was in my mind the other day when I was reading something that is Uh, Maybe put a little smile on your face. I remember when I was a kid and Christmas came up, you know, everybody, oh, what do you want for Christmas? You know, back then it was, you know, fire trucks, army toys, stuff like that that a little boy uh, would want. But I read this the other day. A little eight-year-old girl filled out a letter to Santa. It says, dear Santa, I'm eight years old. I've been very good. And all I want for Christmas is a laptop and a credit card. You know, we laugh, and it it, it was funny, and I, I'd like to high-five that little girl. But um, if you think back, when we were kids, everything that we we wanted, you know, we went to mom and dad, and they either got it for us, so they gave us a really good reason why we can't have that right now, or I'll get it for you later. Um, an 8-year-old girl wanting a credit card kind of makes us uh Makes me wonder, um, just what it is that uh, society is teaching us that we need to have. Um, as Christians, we're blessed to have each other. Dave talked about that this morning, so let's let's keep that in mind as we go into Christmas tomorrow, and as we go into our service today, and as we go to the Father in prayer. Father, we. We are so so blessed and we are so so grateful for the greatest gifts of all the gifts of your grace and your love the gift of your son and the sacrifice that he made so that we can have the gift of the eternal life and and hope each and every day father we we awaken we know that all that is behind us you have given us for reason and everything that we see in front of us is there as a gift from you. We pray, Father, that each day we'll become stronger as Christians that we can take these gifts and use them to glorify you. Father, as we go through this service we pray that our hearts and minds will be opened wide, that all that we here we can put to use in our lives to better serve you. Father we have a bulletin full of people who are are hurting or sick. Father we pray that you continue to watch over them to comfort them to heal them and Father ultimately we pray and we know that your will will be done. Father we are blessed in ways that we can't recount and we pray father that as christians that all we do here and in days ahead that we'll do them in a way that glorifies you we thank you again father and we praise you and we pray that you'll continue to watch over us guide us all and protect us and forgive us of our sins and we pray all these things in jesus holy name amen
0: 405 in your books, 405.
1: Oh, thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise teach me ever to adore thee, may I still the goodness prove, while the hope of endless glory fills my heart with joy and hope. safely to a private home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor Daily I'm constrained to be Let thy goodness, like a fetter my wandering heart to thee Never let me wander from thee Never leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. Using the book, please
0: uh, place a marker at number 714 for our invitation hymn, number 714. song before our prayer this morning will be 528-528. Would you please stand for our prayer? <clears throat> and for our song. Mm-hmm.
1: I have found a friend in Jesus. He's everything to me. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. The lily of the valley, in him alone I see. All I need to cleanse and make me fully whole. In sorrow he's my comfort, in trouble he's my stay. He tells me every care on him to roll. He's a lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of ten thousand to my soul. Oh, he all my griefs has taken, and all my sorrows borne. In temptation he's my strong, mighty tower. I have all for him forsaken, and all my idols torn. From my heart and now he keeps me by his power. Though all the world forsake me and Satan tip me sore, Through Jesus I shall safely reach the goal. He's a lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's a fairest of ten thousand to my soul. He will never, never leave me, nor yet forsake me here. While I live by faith, do his blessed will. A wall of fire about me, I've nothing now to fear. With his manna he my hungry soul shall fill. Then sweeping up to glory, to see his blessed face. Where rivers of delight shall ever roll. He's a lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, fairest of 10,000 to my soul.
3: Would you bow with me, please? Our God and Father in heaven. As we come before you this morning, worshiping you, Father, we pray that our worship is in truth and in a manner that is pleasing and acceptable to you. Father, we pray for those that aren't able to be with us this morning. We have a large number of our congregation, Father, that only you know their specific illness. We ask you, Father, to be with them and comfort them We pray, Father, that they might look to you for that source of understanding and peace that only you can give. As we're about to enter into this portion of our worship service, Father, we ask you to be with Josh this morning. Be with him that he has a ready recollection of those things that he is prepared to teach. Help us, Father, that we might set aside the thoughts and the cares of the world that we might focus on the message that he brings this morning from your word. Help us, Father, that we might have that desire, not only to hear, but to understand and make that application to our lives. Go with us now as we go throughout this worship service this morning. These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
4: I'll be reading out of Mark 12, verse 29 through 31. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this hero, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these.
5: I hope you've been encouraged by our worship this morning, and it would probably help if I turn the microphone on a little bit. It may have accidentally been on while we were singing, and if so, I apologize. I don't know if you noticed, but he had his Bible, and he he said the scripture, but he was quoting it. That's pretty good, huh? This morning, we're in Philippians chapter 2. If you have your Bible, I hope you'll join me. There might be one in front of you. Uh, If not, feel free to use your phone so long as it's in church mode. This morning, as we look here in Philippians 2, we are looking really at the subject of of humility of Christ and the humility that you and I need to have once we are in him. And I wanted to start in chapter 2, verse 1, but we really can't because the first word there is so. It's very much like the same word as therefore, and if you have an ASV Bible, when it says therefore, sometimes it says wherefore. <laughs> we almost ask the question, what are we there for? And what is it we're talking about before? So we have to actually look back in the context. Chapter 1, verse 27 is where we get the context of what we're looking at. When we look at the way that Jesus lived and died, there is an emphasis of humility throughout his life that we ought to grasp onto and imitate. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul would say, Be imitators of Christ, of me, as I am of Christ. And so my walk is supposed to reflect him. I'm supposed to look more and more like him. And my walk will also have an effect on those around me, both the saved and the lost. A lot of the time when we read in Scripture, we read about reaching out to the lost. But this is a section that is a lot more inward focused with one another, with fellow believers. He says in verse 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Wow, that's easy, isn't it? (laughs) To be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Anyone here doing that perfectly? Don't raise your hand, because probably not. How can we possibly live in a way that's worthy to the gospel of Christ? Well, when he's talking in this context about this we're talking about unity and humility together what is that worthy walk look like it's living in a way that declares that i recognize and appreciate what was done for me by christ my life as a christian will reflect or not reflect that i appreciate what he does of course we recognize what he's done We've heard about Jesus. We've heard his name before. We know that he was born. We know that he lived. He died. It was buried, was resurrected. And we hear that. That's what we recognize to be true. And that's where faith starts, right? Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so upon recognizing that, that's where faith can begin. But to appreciate it goes a lot deeper. It's more than just filling my head with words filling my head with knowledge to appreciate it means to grasp the gravity of and the emotion behind i'll give you an illustration those of you that have raised kids and and have got them out of your house or at least one out of your house and and even if you haven't all all the way got to that point yet you know that kids recognize and see the things that you do and the things that you do for them do they always appreciate it Not really in its entirety, and I was guilty of that too, no doubt about it, we all were as kids. But through time and maturity, you begin to have the appreciation for the things your parents allowed and didn't allow and the way that life was, because as I grow and mature in life, I'm put in a position where I must mature. If I get married and I have a family, then I'm supposed to be maturing at that point and able Uh, in order to be able to take care of everybody around me, in order to play my part right. I gain a deeper appreciation then of what my parents did and what grandparents did. But it's the same way as being a Christian, where when I walk in the way that he has called me to live, that walk, that manner of life that's worthy of the gospel of Christ, I gain insight and understanding deeper into my Jesus I understand him more, not just what he said, but why he said what he said and why he did what he did. I've got to then put myself in a position that I will grow and mature. I must make the decision that it can't be optional. Me growing as a Christian, it's not optional. I'm called to do it, but I've got to make the decision that I'm going to do it. And when I grow, it's not an if, it's a when, because you're promised that you will. It's not just figure it out on your own and God checks in on you. God's beside you the whole way. Making sure that you are growing more and more like him. When I do, boy, what a gift that understanding I now have is. What a gift that insight is. Last week we talked in Matthew 25, talents and abilities and gifts. The things that God has given to us we must use and put into practice. And when I have gained an understanding of deeper deeper in my walk of christ then i've got a gift that i need to put into use and i put that into use with one another he goes on to say so that whether i come to see you or am absent i may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel i read this and i realize my own growth and my own walk it's not just about me We can get so selfish about things and so self-centered. I mean, just a month ago, we were thankful. And then the next day, we had Black Friday, and here we are at Christmas, you know, and we kind of get wrapped up within our own selves sometimes with things that have to happen. And we looked more inward. But my growth as a Christian is not just about me. My walk can affect your walk, and your walk affects mine. Whether or not I choose to do the things I'm supposed to do as a Christian can affect you, will build you up, and it might even bring you down if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do or if I'm not doing what I'm doing in the correct manner, if I'm not doing it in the worthy way. We think sometimes too often that this, this life that I live as a Christian, it's, it's a race, and I'm running the race alone. And if you can't keep up, well, that's too bad because I can go and do a whole lot better by myself, just turn me loose, just see what I can do but we're not racing alone he says here that we are striving together side by side you might can go faster alone but you're going to burn out and you're going to get to a point to where you realize that you on your own is not going to cut it you can go faster alone for a short time but you and i we can go a lot further together when we strive Together. You know what it means to strive here when he says that in verse 27? It means to struggle with or to fight vigorously with. Now, granted, sometimes we have to strive just to be with one another, but we also need to strive to strive together, to walk together. God reminds us of our purpose that we are to remind each other of together. And we ought to move past the fear of what's taking place in the world. Look at verse 28. Not frightened in anything by your opponents, this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Yes, he does say that it's a gift if you suffer for him. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. When we're striving together, we're able to move past the opponents, move past the fear, the things in the world that might try to hinder us, that might try to stop us. Whatever it is that politicians are doing, whatever catastrophes that are taking place in the world, and whatever personal hardships that I'm enduring, I'm not to endure that alone. Galatians 6.2 says to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Again, that's not a suggestion. And so what that means is, I've got to let you in, and you've got to let me in. We're called to bear one another's burdens and walk beside each other. Otherwise, we ain't going to make it. But that's how Paul and Silas overcame in Philippi. Don't forget, we're in the book of Philippians, right? And he was writing this to the Philippians, that we see Paul and Silas go visit in Acts. And what happens in Philippi is they're preaching the gospel. They convert some, but they preach the gospel. They get thrown in prison. And what are they doing in prison, Paul and Silas? They're singing. They're joyful. They're making use of the circumstance and praising God for the suffering that's taken place. And then God sends this earthquake, and the doors open up, and the jailer thinks that they've left, and he's going to kill himself because that's the penalty anyway. But they cry out and tell him, don't do it, more or less. This is Josh's paraphrase version. And he doesn't. He goes to their house, and his whole house is converted the same circumstance that's there of struggle and strife, they overcame together. They went through together, Paul and Silas together. Overcoming together is the idea here because we aren't racing to see who gets to heaven the fastest. We know that if we're in Christ, we're going to get there. And when we get there is when God says we get there. I'm not concerned about the when, but I'm concerned about the in-between now and then. We're striving to make sure then that we each get there. That means I've got to care a great deal about you. I've got to care about your soul. More than average people in the world even care to look at one another. This is a whole new concept almost to the world. It's a whole new mindset. And wouldn't you know it, it's the same mindset that Jesus has that we're called into. Chapter 2, verse 1. So, based on this. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. That's the fifth time, maybe the sixth time that he's talked about the oneness and the unity, the togetherness, probably even seven actually in in these few verses that we looked at. Do you think it's important what we do together, that we live this life as Christians together? We come together on Sundays and Wednesdays, and we forget that we're still living the same Christian life together, even though we might not be in the same place. But maybe, perhaps just maybe, we ought to be more often than just two hours a week. Maybe we ought to be involved with each other more than that. What a novel idea, right? But that's what the Christians were doing, the first ones on the first day of the church in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They were with each other. They were devoted to the apostles' prayers or to the apostles' teachings, to the prayers, to the fellowship, and the breaking of bread daily. They were with each other daily, building each other up. Now, I know that circumstances and the world that we live in, we can't always do that, can we? It's unfortunate, but it's just part of it. But I've got to find a way to, to encourage you if there is any encouragement that I have in Christ, he says. If there is any, and he knows that there is, any encouragement being united in Christ, the fellowship that I share with him, the promises that I gain from being in him, those are motivation for me to achieve and to maintain unity. He lists four things there in verse 1. Four different things. The encouragement in Christ, the comfort that comes from his love, we love, we love. We love to talk about the love of Christ, right? God so loved the world, right? John 3:16, but let me also give you this one. First John 4:11 says, "Beloved, if God so loved us, then we ought to love one another." Same writer, same or different book, but writing about the same concept of love that you and I are to have. And he illustrates that even further over in John 13 when Jesus is talking to them in John 13, 35. For the world, or excuse me, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. They'll know that you are fellow disciples if you have love for your fellow disciple. If you have love for those outside of the disciples as well. What he's saying is you and I, both outsiders and inside the body of Christ, I've got to be trying my best to have love for one another. I'm not just talking about a fuzzy feeling for us. I'm sure I've rubbed people in here the wrong way, and you don't have a fuzzy feeling about me from time to time. And guess what? It happens back and forth. That's just life, right? Even when you're married, spoiler, even when you're married, you don't always just have a fuzzy feeling 24-7. And so... What is love then? Love is doing for others what they need. Am I looking to you and seeing a need in your life? And am I trying to help with that need? If not, they're not going to know we're disciples. I want the world to know that we're disciples. Not to say, look how great they are. Look how great this group is. But for them to look and say, what a great God they serve. That's the point. Because we are imitators of him. Comfort of his love. The third one there being fellowship, participation in the spirit. If there is any of that, you think there's any of that? We know what Peter tells us in Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I know at that point I'm saved, and I know at that point I get the spirit. That means the spirit's living in me. Acts chapter, sorry, Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14 tells us, That the Holy Spirit is the seal, the guarantee of our inheritance. I know I have the Spirit when I've obeyed. And I know that you have the Spirit when you obeyed. See, he's calling us to look outside of our own selves here. If there's any participation in the Spirit, not just with you, but when you look among those around you, then you ought to be in fellowship with him and her if God is in fellowship with them. And I know we might say, oh, well, he rubs me the wrong way. She says the wrong thing. He looked at me funny. I don't, I don't like his face. Whatever. But the fellowship that we're after is so deep and ingrained from God. If God has forgiven somebody and if God is in fellowship with them, you best believe I better be as well. I, you best believe that I look at them the same way that God looks at them. And then the last one, the fourth one he says there, any affection and sympathy. You got any Christ-like tenderness among you? You got a drive to help each other and be a part of each other's life? Any morsel, any crumb of that at all, then do that. That's the kind of attitude that heads off and helps to easily correct any problems of friction or disharmony, it's not forceful of you and I going up to each other if we got a problem and saying, we got to do this or else, so let's just suck it up and get it over with. No, it's more of a tenderness, an open invitation from Christ as he opens the invitation for you to follow him. You see, God does not force you to follow him. He's looking out for you as soon as you decide to, though. And in that moment, he saves you as soon as you're ready to be saved, as soon as you enter in the waters with him. In the same way, I can't force unity with anybody. But I'm looking for the first chance the door is open to get there. And I'm doing everything I need to do to do that. I'm swallowing my pride. I'm swallowing all of that. And I'm choosing to be humble as he was. Why? Because we can't be the church without doing that. And so I'm striving to focus and seek out the good. That's what he said in verse 2. Complete my joy, being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. I'm focusing on these things, on these purposes of unity. I can't build if I'm a wrecking ball. And I'm seeking out the good. I'm looking for the good in you, in the oneness that you and I are wanting to have together. I remember a TED talk from a while back. Um, This lady talking about how our, our human perception leans negative. So negative, in fact, we actually get stuck in the negative. And I don't think anybody here would argue against that, because what sells in the news? The negative. And what do people like to talk about? Well, really, a lot of gossip and other things that are not very uplifting. It's easy to get caught up in that. You see, all of the negative news and the negative talk and the negative thinking, it is very much equal to an addiction. Because it's easy, it's detrimental, we hate it, but we can't help it. We can't help but gravitate towards it sometimes. We literally have to work harder to see good and to dwell on the positive things. One of the ways that that same study gave to counter the negative was to talk about good things, to share good things. Imagine if we did that with one another. And imagine if we did it as God tells us to do it over in the same book, chapter 4, verse 6. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Whatever you're praying about, do it with the right heart as well. But look at what he says to think about and how to think. He's telling you how to focus your mind, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellent excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Why? Because you got to get out of the bad. you got to get out of the negative, and you've got to start to see the good, to seek the good, and to be the good. If we want unity in the church wherever that we're at, That's part of what needs to take place. He goes on in verse 3 of chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 was, If there's any, then verse 3 is, Don't do any. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Major church killer and hindrance to the gospel being spread anywhere. Cold-hearted selfishness. Me being wrapped up in me, myself, and I. I'm selfish as a Christian if I'm not thinking of what I do or what I don't do, rippling out and affecting new disciples and old disciples alike, how that action or lack of action might affect their walk. And if I view myself as the solution, the only one that can or should do something, I'm pretty selfish in that instance. If I am just focused on accomplishing tasks and smoothing out things, but but doing it more business-like, not really caring about the people that are involved or the commission, I'm being selfish. If I'm selfish as well, I'm more task-oriented than I am people-oriented. And then I'm not striving with, I'm striving against. And if I want to walk the worthy walk, I've got to be striving with, not going against the grain. What do I need to do then? What do I need to do? I need to not think of myself more often than I'm thinking of others. And I know that's hard. And we're not saying put yourself in a foolish situation. But I've got to be more concerned with well-being of others. And I need to think of myself Rightfully, not more highly than I actually am or anything like that. I've got to have a humble mind, not thinking too little of myself, not degrading myself or, or saying something against me that goes against God's picture of me that he has created me and not created junk. I know that. But thinking rightly of ourselves, I've got to get rid of my selfish ambition. Why? Because all of this is exactly what Jesus did. Verse five. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This mindset you're called to have, it's not just because we think it'd be fun, but it's because it's what Jesus did from the very beginning, before the very beginning, before Genesis even began, before they created everything, humility was at play. Because there was this grand plan that was put into place before man was even created to save us. I look over in Ephesians Chapter two or chapter one, he says in verse nine, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, his eternal purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. God had this eternal purpose that would take place in our time and he put it into action with Jesus and Jesus put it into action in himself. He says, verse six who, though he was the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. You see, the sacrifice began there. The sacrifice and the suffering did not begin on the cross. The sacrifice began when he sacrificed eternity, when he gave up eternity. He gave up his right. He had every right To fight and to hang on and to say, I don't want to do this. He's well within his rights. We don't deserve to be saved. Well within his rights to do that. Could have held on to it. When he says in verse 6, he's the form of God. He's not talking about the appearance of God. The word means the inward essence. The makeup, we would say for our own selves, our genetic makeup. The very core of who he is, is God. And he could have contended. And had every right to say, I don't want to leave eternity and be born. I mean, think about it. The savior of the whole world. The creator of all the universe. Being born. Having diapers. Being raised. Being told as a child what not to do and what to do. And all of that that comes with it. And adolescence and growing up and becoming a guy. Becoming a man. Talk about suffering. When you were in eternity before. Talk about humbleness that's needed here verse 7 when he said "Emptying himself taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men he's not talking about the inward essence changing he's talking about the appearance he looked like man but the inward essence the fact that he's god remained fully god fully man but the story doesn't stop there does it the story keeps going it gets gooder we might say verse 8 Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, as if death wasn't enough, but even death on a cross, a disgraceful death, a curse, an excruciating torment and humiliation. He didn't save us when he was conceived, or when he was born, or when he was dying. All of that was part of the necessary sacrifice to get me the opportunity to be saved and to be able to get in him, in his resurrection, if I meet him in the water at the point of baptism. That's the point. When I surrender, when I am humble enough to give up the reins and say, I can't save me, you save me, and give me life, and I'll live that life for you. At least that's what we're supposed to be saying in that moment. Christ's whole earthly dwelling was out of a focus of humility for the betterment of anyone And everyone else. And now that you and I are disciples of Christ, my whole earthly dwelling is out of a focus of humility for the betterment of anyone and everyone else. I've pushed myself aside, at least I need to. It means to die to self, to live for Christ, and to serve others. That's a worthy walk. Not that I can do it worthily, not that I can do it perfectly. But God says, as long as you're doing your best there, you got it. I will take care of the rest. Then the result of that for Jesus, verse 9 through 11, this is where we'll land. He says, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All of this and all of our life is to bring God glory, it is for God to be seen. If we're giving God glory, that means we're shining the light on him. We're not shining the light on our own deeds and being selfish. We're shining the light towards him, showing where this comes from, showing where the growth comes from, showing where the only salvation comes from. And because Jesus chose this way. This name is bestowed on him. What's in a name? You ever thought about that? What's in a name? Well, it's actually kind of interesting when you look out in the world and people who who see celebrities that are professing Christ or claiming to be Christians get so excited about it because, wow, look at this guy. Did you hear about... And I start to think, yeah, so... <laughs> Well, God will be able to use him or her so well because of he's got a famous name because he's got a lot of profound impact. Just stop right there. Because God has already given someone the great position with a great name. Why would he need anybody else's name? He needs only Jesus to get the name out. It's the recognition, the name. It's the recognition of his character, his position, his place, Everything about the inward essence at the core of who he is. And I have to have a fixed mind on him to be able to walk this walk. Along with the fixed mindset that he had, this humble mindset, to die to self, to serve others, and glorify God. There's my reason for existing. Along the way, what that encompasses is hopefully more getting saved and others Striving side by side with me for the faith of the gospel. Did you notice that in verse 27? Not striving for faith, striving for the faith. Faith is different than faith. Sorry, faith is different than the faith. You read faith in scripture and it's always meaning the act of believing. But the faith is the thing believed. Striving, fighting vigorously for what we see here. Because what we see here is the only window, the only insight that we can gain through maturity and our understanding and appreciation of him who calls us to follow after him. And if we have that mindset that's seeking after him, unity is not going to be a problem. This world, whatever they hurl at us, is not going to be a problem. Growth will happen on a personal level, on a collective level. Every person in this room is going to be able to grow. And we're going to be able to strain towards the goal of eternity. That's not going to be a problem either. So the question becomes, where is your focus? Or as Jesus said in Luke chapter 8, where is your faith? Is your faith in your walk? Is your faith in your own actions? Is your faith then in your faith? Or is your faith rightfully placed in him? Is that where your focus is? If not, I'm going to ask you to change it. Let's focus more on him and focus more on serving others than we are ourselves. And let's focus on striving together towards that heavenly reward that you and I, we know we have. It's not a question about when we get it. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. We are going to get it. I have going been hanging around y'all Arkansas people too long. We're going to get it. We will have our reward. But between now and then, we're fighting together. We're striving and struggling together. And if you need help in that struggle, let us know this morning as we stand together and sing.
0: prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper, we'll see 167, 167.
1: i
3: Will you bow with me? Our heavenly Father, we come to you this time to give you thanks for this bread of bread that represents Christ's body. We ask you to bless those who partake of it. May we do it in a manner well pleasing to you. This we ask you in Christ's name. Amen. God and our Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your son who went to the cross and died in our place. We thank you, Father, for the blood that he shed, because without the shedding of the blood there would be no remission of sins. And let us take of this cup, which represents that blood, upon Calvary's cross, and let us do it in a way that be pleasing unto thee. In this we ask now, Son, in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, let us give back to you as you so greatly give to us. In Christ and, cross and
0: Song before our closing prayer will be number 403. 403.
1: Convenient for you, would you please stand? Sing the first three verses. As I journey through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow. Many arrows pierce my soul from without within. But my Lord leads me on, through him I must win. Oh, I want to see him, look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the street of glory, let me lift my voice. Hairs all past, home at last. Ever to rejoice When in service for my Lord Dark may be the night <clears throat> But I'll cling more close to him He will give me light Satan's snares may vex the soul Turn my thoughts aside But my Lord goes ahead please, whatever betide Oh, I want to see him Look upon his face there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the street of glory, let me lift my voice. And there's all past home at last, ever to rejoice. When in valleys low I look toward the mountain height, and behold my Savior there leading in the fight, with a tender hand outstretched. For the valleys low, guiding me, I can see as I onward go. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the street of glory, my voice, cares all past, oh, my last ever to rejoice.
4: Our Father, as we come before you, we wanna thank you that we're allowed to come together and study another portion of your word. We thank you, Father, for the freedom that we have to be able to do so. We pray that we take that word, Father, out into the world and share it with others. Father, as we have many that are uh, traveling, we pray that you'll be with each of them and pray that uh, each will arrive arrive at their destination safely. Father, we pray that uh, that as we come back this evening, that uh, we'll all return here to learn more of Your Word. Be with us, Father, and protect us. Watch over us. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen.